his karate lessons might not turn him into a black belt. Hi-ya! And even after band camp, he might not be the greatest musician. But with the 3% annual percentage yield you can earn on a PenFed premium online savings account, your goal of supporting his dreams, thanks for everything, mom and dad, will always be worth it. Apply today at PenFed.org savings. Federally insured by NCUA. $5 minimum to open account. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed. PenFed's got great rates for everyone. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. 97.1 FM Talk Podcast. This hour of the Mark Reardon Show is sponsored by Gamma Tree Experts. Your trees deserve the best care. Call Gamma Tree Experts. Hey, our uh, friend Dave Strom from HotAir.com will join us a little later. I have some really good audio from, uh, you know who Bethany Hamilton is? She's that surfer who lost her arm. A shark took it off many years ago. She's being brave and outspoken. She's brave in many different ways because of everything that she's achieved since that accident. But on the uh, the gender issue um, and trying to be... Uh, proactive on some ideas that probably will not sit well with the wokes out there, but we'll have some of that audio. It might even be featured during audio cut of the day before the hour is up. Uh, Ilya Shapiro is back with us this afternoon. He's a senior fellow director of constitutional studies at the Manhattan Institute, a regular on 97.1 FM Talk. Ilya, welcome back. How are you? Doing well. Good to be back with you. I want to talk about all this stuff that you're doing with uh, with Chris Rufo on DEI, but since this just happened a couple of weeks ago and we haven't had you on in a little while, and it's a continuing question about the leaker at the Supreme Court, just your reaction to the fact that apparently that person is never, ever going to be identified. Is that the takeaway? Well, the longer we get from, uh, from the leak, uh, the, it, it gets less and less likely. Um, apparently there was a lot of time and resources put into this investigation, although they didn't get the FBI, which means they didn't have subpoena power, um, and they didn't look at uh, justices' phones and, and things like that. Um, so there, there, there could be uh, more things to probe. But, yeah, it, it does look like uh, we're just never going to know. Isn't that, I mean, that's kind of stunning, isn't it? Uh, it really is. And it's, um, the, you know, there, there's tensions at the court because, um, justices aren't trusting their whatever whatever their relations are among each other with each other. They don't trust the, the, their colleagues' clerks, for example. Well, let's talk about DEI and what you're trying to do here. This is a this is a bit of a project, if I understand it correctly, with Chris Rufo and there's another gentleman named uh, Matt Bienberg. Is that his name? Yeah, he's at the at the Goldwater Institute. Uh, Chris and I, uh, you know, Chris obviously is known for pushing back on. Uh, critical race theory and, and other aspects of sort of the, the illiberal walk through the institutions, particularly academic institutions. And, uh, you know, we were thinking about, um, you know, forget what's actually taught or the battles over curriculum or what classes professors have, things like that. Setting all that aside, so much of the problem 
uh, at least in higher education, is the growth in bureaucracies. And so much of that being these DEI and Orwellian term that actually goes against intellectual diversity, prevents equal opportunity and excludes those who deviate from uh, progressive orthodoxy. And so we thought we need to attack the bureaucracy, uh, you know, setting aside curriculum issues and speech and academic freedom and all that, the bureaucracy. So we put together a four-pronged proposal uh, to get rid of anyone who, who works in DEI. That means uh, anyone that goes beyond what when you and I were in college, uh, grad school, what have you, uh, when they had compliance officers with Title IX, federal and state civil rights laws, all that is fine. Keep those lawyers. But the new kind of ideologue uh, indoctrinators, get rid of that. Get rid of diversity statements. Now to apply to college or to apply to be a professor, oftentimes you have to talk about how you're going to advance diversity. Get rid of that. Those are like loyalty oaths. Um, Diversity trainings, which are, again, indoctrination sessions, and uh, I don't think they do much. You know, if someone from who's a hidden Nazi actually appears, that they're going to convince them uh, uh, not to be a racist. It's not, it's not too tough to figure out how you're supposed to answer the questions, right? Uh, that, that, that's right. Yeah. That's right. It's, and it's a waste of people's time. And it's just, um, uh, yeah, yeah. And, and the fourth one is, uh, <laughs> you knocked my stream of thought. I forget what our... What our fourth pro- oh, well, I think oh, you oh. skipped. Did you uh, skip number identity three? Identity-based preferences. Yeah. So regardless of what the Supreme Court does with the Harvard and UNC affirmative action cases, uh, what we're saying is, is more broadly, whether for faculty hiring, admissions, staff, anything else, judge people uh, on their merits. And so the, the title of all of this proposal, which is now being considered in lots of legislatures around the country, is uh, end the abolish DEI bureaucracies and restore uh, colorblind uh, admissions and hiring in public universities. I, I think I threw you off so much that we might have forgotten number three, too, which is curtail political coercion. Did we forget that one? No, we got that. Those okay. are the diversity statements. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Now, ordinarily, I would say this is crazy because, look, you've got this stuff so ingrained in academia that it'll never go back in the other direction. On the other hand, it's my understanding that the University of North Carolina has taken some steps in their system to maybe do some of these exact things that you're proposing. Well, let's be clear. This is a proposal for state legislatures with respect to state schools, public universities that they oversee. And it works differently in different states based on how much oversight the legislature has. But at the end of the day, it's the it's the state taxpayer that pays for public institutions. So they do uh, pull strings and they can attach uh, regulatory restrictions to all of those kinds of funding. So, um, you know, ask your legislators in, in Missouri, you know, uh, how much power and what they think that they can do, again, without getting into what pr- professors can or can't say or teach. This is purely about the bureaucracy and funding and structures and systems. So at this point, who's are, are there more than just nibbles on the part of state legislatures? Which, by the way, I think Missouri is a, is a good example of, uh, of, a, of a state that might be able to follow this path and be successful. Well, look, I'm, uh, you know, our government affairs folks are... Uh, you know, we're, we're not lobbyists. We're a think tank, after all, and we're, we're happy for anyone to, who's interested in this to, to pick this up. But we're, we're trying to spread it far and wide. And, uh, of course, Florida, you know, Governor DeSantis has announced that it's going to be introduced, these reforms. Uh, but there have been nibbles in a number of other states. And uh, I'm just a simple constitutional lawyer. You'll have to talk to our government <laughs> external affairs folks to get the, the nitty gritty. How do you, because obviously, Ilya, maybe maybe you're not worried about this, but with um, the situation that's occurred in Florida with the AP 
you know, test from the college board. There were all one of the frustrating things for me. This will come as no surprise to you because you know how this stuff works in the media is it was not only nearly impossible, it was impossible to find any specifics about the curriculum. There were a couple of people that went out and did some good reporting on that, and we got little nuggets, and DeSantis himself put some things in front of people. But if you looked at most of the legacy media, well, all of the legacy media, the Washington Post, New York Times, whenever they wanted to talk about that particular issue, they didn't really ever put an example of what might be deemed controversial or um, outrageous to some people. They just wanted to include the information about how this is holding back, you know, teaching actual history of African Americans. So I guess I bring it up because... That, that's the kind of stuff that's going to happen here as well, right? There, there's, a, there's a technical legal term for that argument, and that's poppycock. I mean, this is uh, CRT. As in my, my, my latest Substack post, I have, a, I have a Substack newsletter, Shapiro's Gavel, and I talk about how you know, we're in Black History Month now, February's Black History Month, and CRT or, or, the, or you know, decisions or legislation not to teach CRT is absolutely not the same as not teaching black history. And in fact, this kerfuffle over the new AP course that's proposed uh, about African-American studies. I had an op-ed in the New York Post talking about how DeSantis and the Florida educational uh, gatekeepers are absolutely right. And what did the college board do? They left in the African-American history that's required under Florida law that the so-called controversial Stop Woke Act requires in-depth the teaching of African-American history, but it gets rid of intersectionality and advocacy gets rid of queer theory all of this stuff that is anything but the teaching of history or appreciation for african-american culture and what black americans have contributed to this country that sort of thing so these are very different things and it's a bait and switch to say that attacking CRT is an attack on, you know, the, the worth of African-Americans in, in this country. No, it's re- it's ridiculous. And by the way, I just I was unaware I should have known that, but I just subscribed Ilya Shapiro dot substack dot com. I didn't press pay yet. I might do that. We'll see how good the content is if I'm going to make a little donation. But the I pulled up the piece about critical race theory, and it's it's so important because you would think, and this is what gets frustrating to me, and I've mentioned this a few times, but let's just kind of dial it into some of the things that you were allowed to or were allowed to discuss before they changed and they caved to DeSantis with the college board. All this, um, you know, Marxism stuff that's in there. All right. Let's say that's an important part of African-American history. If you want to deem that, how about we throw some countering viewpoints from Glenn Lowry or others maybe in that education? Well, they don't want that, do they? They don't want any kind of. Absolutely. Right. No reference to Thomas Sowell, uh, Shelby Steele, John McWhorter, all of these independent black thinkers that that somehow uh, did not appear. Instead, it was uh, uh, you know, it was either socialists or queer theorists or critical race theory folks, uh, really a bizarre sort of thing. Now, in the revised framework, they uh, take out uh, uh, all of that. Some of it they, they put in as potential independent studies, but they've also added conservative legal thinkers. They've added other things. Although one other curious thing about the whole framework, and this is not an ideological point, but you know who's omitted, not just these conservative intellectuals, but Thurgood Marshall, the first black justice, and Clarence Thomas, the current, you know, probably the most powerful African-American in the country. I mean, they're both omitted. So what, do they have a bias against uh, black lawyers or judges or something? It's bizarre. 
That's really bizarre. It doesn't make any sense whatsoever, but this is what we get. I would just like, you know, a little bit, and this is where I hammer on the media quite a bit, because I would just love some fair media criticism or attention to some of those. And I know that realistically it's not going to happen, Ilya, but the Washington Post does this story from a month ago about this college professor in Florida that is very worried that he cannot take or might be prevented from taking his students to the site of um, a lynching that he had gone to for decades. He's take, There's nothing in anything in Florida that would ap- would prevent that whatsoever. In fact, it goes in the other direction where there are people making the case that you don't want to teach African-American history in Florida because of what DeSantis is trying to do. It's actually against the law to not teach it. It's in the law that you must teach African-American history in the curriculum yeah. in Florida. I mean, they get this so yeah. much of this stuff is, is just mean, in, mangled. In general, in, in, in the U.S. history AP class, uh, and in non-AP class, about a third of students in the country take AP classes, but just generally in uh, high school curricula across the country, uh, the three of the most prominent things that are covered are slavery, Jim Crow, the civil rights movement. I mean, this is not hidden in any way, and you don't even necessarily need uh, a separate course to cover it, but, but you're right. I will say, though, I'll, I'll give credit where it's due. The New York Times story about the revision of the uh, African-American studies AP class is, is pretty balanced. I'm quoted there, uh, but in general, the way that it's the, the way that that uh, Anna, uh, Anna Hartakalis is the uh, is the reporter. Good. I talked to her several, several times. She she profiled me when uh, when I resigned from Georgetown eight months ago. I mean, it's a very solid reporter. And so uh, at least there I, I will give credit for for covering the real story. Well, that's good. And the other thing is I paged down here on your piece that you referred to on Substack, which um, we've been talking about here. Uh, let me ask you the question that people have asked you. You addressed it in the piece because you just referenced Georgetown. We covered that pretty uh, extensively. Um, you were run off. I guess we can tell the whole story. But are you still getting opposition at speeches when you're giving them recently? I have not. So there, there was a, a famous incident made. I, I made national news again uh, coming up on the anniversary of this March 1st of last year. I was supposed to speak at UC Hastings Law School in San Francisco. That's since been renamed because the founder, Mr. Hastings, it turns out, is uh, politically incorrect by 21st century standards. But anyway, uh, that event was shut down. It was chanting and banging, and I wasn't allowed to speak, completely disrupted. But that uh, was the first and remains the only uh, public event in my entire career, and I've done you know over a thousand of these things that where there's been uh, protest disruption, uh, uh, that sort of thing. And I've in in the last you know 12 months since since my Georgetown so-called scandal broke, I've you know I haven't shied away. I've spoken at Brown and Princeton and Berkeley, NYU, Stanford, even last week Georgetown's underground uh, campus. Wow, across across town from the law school. A lot of these places. Uh, the kind of ones where you might expect there to be activists or protesters provided security and whatnot. But regardless, there has not been anything. Um, uh, I don't know whether that means that Hastings was just an aberration or Hastings and Yale, I guess, because lots of stuff has been going on at Yale Law School, uh, not with me, uh, uh, or things are getting better or, or, or what. But uh, maybe the circus has just moved on to, to the next uh, 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 you know, mob academic uh, uh, academic. Yeah. We can hope. Ilya Shapiro, who currently is a senior fellow director of constitutional studies at the Manhattan Institute, always a great contributor to this show and to 97.1 FM Talk. Ilya, have a great week. I really appreciate it. Thank you. You too. Take care. And, and good luck on all this because I think it's, it's so important. Uh, 521, Dave Strom from Hot Air is coming up. He's got some great stuff that he has worked on, including the, this goes back to Florida. This is really, I was going to talk about it on my own, but we got Dave coming up. There was a, a bunch of 
misinformation, media misinformation about something that was covered in the law in Florida that would ask very private questions of young women that the left was going nuts about. And in fact, when you find out what really happened, those of you listening to this program will not become uh, very shocked or you won't be shocked. So we'll get to that here in just a minute. A couple of things that I wanted to get to before Dave. Um, on the balloon front, we started this afternoon with the balloon. The president still says, look, I told the me- I told the military, shoot the damn thing down. It's not my fault. Order the Pentagon to shoot it down on Wednesday as soon as possible. They decided without doing damage to anyone on, on the ground. They decided that the best time to do that was it got over water outside within our within 12 mile limit. They successfully took it down. And I want to compliment our aviators who did it, and we'll have more to report on this uh, a little later. Thank you. This because it was to say about China. And the recommendation from your was from your national security. I told them to shoot it down. On Wednesday. On Wednesday. But the recommendation. They from said them. to me, "Let's wait till the safest place to do it." All right. So I, you know, I don't know if that's true or not. We'll have to take him at his word. It is a little curious to me that the um, opportunity was there to shoot the damn thing down, and we just let it kind of— Isn't he the one that would have the word? I don't, I don't get it. Well, he's saying that he ordered—that's the confusing part. When you give orders, usually orders as commander-in-chief would be followed, maybe? I, I don't would know. assume but so. He, he's saying that he told them, and then they advised him that it would be better if we waited, right? Tom Cotton, Senator Cotton, says, look, this has become a trial balloon, if nothing else. What began as a spy balloon has become a trial balloon, testing President Biden's strength and resolve. And unfortunately, the president failed that test. Uh, And that's dangerous for the American people. Uh, The president was paralyzed for an entire week by a balloon. Um, We should have shot this balloon down over the Aleutian Islands. We should never have allowed it to transit the entire continental United States. And I think there's a lot of open questions that the administration needs to answer to Congress on behalf of the American people about why they didn't. You know, I, I don't I, I really don't care what what it could do. Or I think his point about allowing a balloon from China to transit the entire country in the future, probably a good idea that we don't allow that to happen. And I don't think it's going to be referenced tomorrow. We have the State of the Union address coming up tomorrow. We found out that Cori Bush, our favorite local congresswoman who hates America, will be taking Mike Brown Sr., which doesn't make any sense whatsoever. But apparently that's what's going to happen tomorrow night. Now, John Carl, ABC News, talking about how this is something that's on the minds of the American people. And our new poll this morning with the Washington Post shows significant warning signs for Democrats. More than half of the country disapproves of Biden's job performance, weighed down by significant discontent over the economy. 40% say they are worse off financially than they were two years ago. The most negative response to that question in nearly 40 years of our polling. And as Biden prepares for a likely 2024 re-election campaign, less than a third of Democratic voters want to see him renominated. OK, well, a likely I, I don't know about a likely I guess it's likely because yeah. we always expect presidents to run. But again, this is coming on the heels of The New York Times report that was on the front page of Sunday's paper that finally confronted the issue the Democrats and everyone's been talking about behind the scenes for two years now, pretty much ever since she was sworn in, probably before that, because the vice president was on full display, her ineptitude on the campaign trail. They all know they got to do something with both of them and they don't know what to do. <laughs> no, and they're, they're not sure. I mean, it is a conundrum. There's no doubt about that. On the economy front, th- this is stunning to me. And I don't know what the answer is to because we um, 
I always, I guess, get a little uh, idealistic when it comes to leadership because I feel, as someone who grew up in the 80s and Ronald Reagan was the first conservative president that I certainly looked up to and that brand of conservatism and leadership. There was leadership there that I felt that, that doesn't exist from, from most presidents. And you don't see that in politics, Sue, because I think most people who have good leadership qualities and capabilities, they don't want to go into government, right? So we're, we're lost on that front. But when it comes to solving some of the big problems, we just talked with Vance Crow about this uh, chatbot and how that's affecting the uh, world and will continue to affect the world. What about the workforce? Mike Rowe talks about this all the time on Fox. Think about the number of kids, young men in particular, they're not working. Never in peacetime have so many able-bodied men affirmatively chosen to sit out. It's just never happened. Now, we can argue about what it means for the country or why it's happening. You know, I've got theories and other people do as well, but there's no denying the reality of the stat or its impact on the economy. And what the hell are they doing? What are they doing? I have no idea, Ah. but I don't think it's good overall for the future of the republic. 526, Dave Strom from HotAir.com, coming up, plus an audio cut of the day. His karate lessons might not turn him into a black belt. Hi-ya! And even after band camp, he might not be the greatest musician. But with the 3% annual percentage yield you can earn on a PenFed premium online savings account, your goal of supporting his dreams... Thanks for everything, Mom and Dad. ...will always be worth it. Apply today at PenFed.org savings. Federally insured by NCUA. $5 minimum to open account. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed. PenFed's got great rates for everyone. Why? Why? If you have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. Selling a little or a lot. (coughs) Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast 
Audio cut of the day coming up. A couple things I should mention about tomorrow. Victoria Marshall will be here with The Federalist. Wrote a uh, great piece on policing that we'll get into. Our friend Dr. Roy Spencer, principal research scientist at the University of Alabama at Huntsville. The author of Climate Confusion. He's one of my go-to guys on the climate change nonsense. So we'll get with uh, with Roy tomorrow afternoon here on 97.1 FM Talk. I saw a story over the weekend. I sent it to uh, Fred's out and I sent it to Abby. I'm like, I got to cover this on Monday. Day. And then I decided just to invite Dave Stramon, who wrote about this on HotAir.com. There's a bunch of things that he posted, though, in the past week that have interested me. Uh, but there's one in particular that got me interested. Dave, how are you this afternoon? Welcome back. Uh, uh, my life has just gotten much better. I'm on the phone with you. <laughs> well, I appreciate the candor and the honesty. I really do. But th- this is uh, this is uh, these are the types of stories that really frustrate me. So I want you to explain what happened with the questionnaire that sort of went viral about female athletes in Florida, where they were trying to make it seem like DeSantis was this insensitive, you know, toxic masculine man with no empathy for young girls about to menstruate. Right. Right. Oh, I mean, it, it is perfect mainstream media slash liberal commentary propaganda. Uh, some person, uh, you know, anti-DeSantis person had a kid who was going into athletics, a young girl. And she got this uh, questionnaire about the health status of the girl, and it asked, uh, among other questions about the uh, menstrual cycles of the young girl. And so this blew up all over the world about how Ron DeSantis is a fascist and he's trying to invade the privacy of every young girl. Before you give the, the, the result here, let me read a couple of the, you know, the tweets, the hyperbole. So this Jessica Valenti, female student athletes in Florida need to provide their schools with detailed information about their periods. And then a follow-up. Despite public outcry, the Florida High School Athletics Association is standing by its decision that girls submit menstruation info to schools, including the age of their first period. And then another one here. Do not comply. No parent should mm-hmm. comply. No coach should comply. No regional athletic overpaid bureaucrat Blank face should comply. Every boys team should sit down until this order is rescinded. The instinct to complain, but to comply is wrong. But there's a small problem, Dave, with all this, isn't there? 44 states require this information. And it's for a very simple reason. Uh, Overtraining of young girls can interfere with their menstrual cycle. Uh, Girls who are not having... Uh, a regular menstrual cycle. It can indicate something wrong. It can cause anemia. I mean, it's a serious health question with young athletes. And I have to admit, I was totally unaware of this. And so, like, lots of men, lots of fathers across the country was like, what? Why right. are they asking? I, I didn't this know. Question? I didn't know this either. And I had raised two boys. I have a little girl right now, but she's a little ahead of all this stuff. But it's interesting because you mentioned uh, Tim Carney at the Washington Examiner sort of tracked this down. He did what would be called maybe a flagrant act of journalism in modern yep. times, and he, he tracked it down because he smelled the rat and said, "Wait a second, <laughs> this is happening in a lot of other states, and here's why it happens." Yeah, I mean, uh, it's actually. Very simple. It has to do with caring for the young women who just have different health issues than uh, young men. I mean, I don't menstruate. I really don't understand everything that's going on, even though I've been married for nearly 30 years. Uh, And 
uh, you know, there's a reason why Florida, by the way, Ron DeSantis had nothing to do with anything. Right, right. I mean, they have been doing this for decades in Florida and elsewhere because it's a basic protection for the children. That's all that it's about. And so to me, the interesting thing about this story is how propaganda uh, just sort of barrels through the culture. Uh, some, you know, there are people out there combing for things that they can uh, basically lie to you about, create these false narratives. You know, Ron DeSantis is a fascist going after women. Jim Crow 2.0. When the yeah. when the D, you, know, you couldn't have the All Star Game in Atlanta, but the DNC is going to have their convention there, right? That, oh yeah, that's well, where we're at. I, and and they actually polled uh, Georgians, and black Georgians are slightly more satisfied than white Georgians, but it's statistically the same thing with the voting process. Yeah, right, right. State. And uh, we were told this was Jim Crow 2.0, and then you ask the people who actually vote, and it's like, no, this is great. You know. <laughs> Unbelievable. But some of this, you know, this is the kind of stuff that's happening. You point, I'm glad you pointed this out, and Tim did as well, with the situation with that aspect of Florida. But the same things happened on any of the AP coverage with the uh, college board, lying about what would be prevented to be taught in the classroom. I mean, it happened nonstop, and it happened in many of the mainstream publications like the Washington Post and the New York Times. Oh, and it's still... You see this constantly on Twitter. I live on Twitter, unfortunately. I mean, it's a cesspool of hate, but it's where, you know, the left goes to talk. So if you want to know what they're thinking, you spend a lot of time on Twitter. And they are just constantly pounding on these fake narratives. And, uh, I mean... the latest one obviously has to do with the Chinese spy balloon, and uh, it's hilarious because there are left-wing Twitter people out there who, an hour before the balloon is shot down, are explaining why it's stupid to shoot down the oh, balloon. Oh, I know. I you, highlighted this. Yeah. The talking points on Saturday morning were, oh, you idiot Republicans out there over the flyover states where it just came over Missouri Friday afternoon. Don't you realize the brilliance in the Biden administration? They're just going to wait for it to pass the shores and they're going to get all that valuable information? Yeah. No, they blew it up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then suddenly uh, Biden is maverick from Top Gun. I mean... <laughs> <laughs> you can't make it up. You really can't no, make it up. No, I mean, it, it, the story changes every five minutes regardless. And, you know, this whole the balloon, you know, three balloons during the Trump administration, the Pentagon on background lays out this story. It turns out to not even be no, remotely close right. to the truth. Yeah. Uh, and, and yet. You know, what they do is they get the headlines, they pound it into people, and as the story dies down, then things start to change when no one's paying attention. That's how their propaganda works. Well, you know, the the best example that I have of that is what happened, and I remember waking up, you, you mentioned Twitter, but the, the morning, it was a Saturday morning, if I remember correctly, that all those pictures from Covington Catholic sort of went um, mm-hmm. Nick Sandman, right? Nick Sandman, oh, he looked like this evil, white, 
kid who just wants to look snarkily in the face of a poor, you know, Native American, a BIPOC citizen of this country. And everybody goes nuts on it on Twitter. Reporters start putting stuff out there that is completely inaccurate. And then when the truth comes out, and if you watch the whole video of what happened, and for those people listening right now who don't remember any of this, I would encourage you to go back and watch it. Then you realize the context was very, very different. But you know this, Dave. You think things were corrected in the uh, in the narrative from the media that was reported? We had a, a columnist here, Aisha Sultan, who used to be someone who I was somewhat friendly with and was on my show, that wrote this piece that I still think to this day Nick Sandman should sue her for, that and yep. she wrote that piece knowing damn well what the facts of this were with uh, with what happened that day but that's the kind of stuff that happens on a regular basis oh a- a- absolutely and after a while uh you have to conclude i concluded sometime over the past eight years that it's not that they're lazy it's not that they're stupid it's that they have chosen a side and they will do any evil thing to, to, uh, to push it. And when you talk about Sandman, I mean, he was a kid, a genuine minor uh, who, you know, you had people in the media saying he had a punchable face and right. were actively promoting violence against this kid for what turned out to be being victimized by a bunch of hateful bigots. Yeah, it's, it's uh, outrageous. It really is. Yeah. And that things like that, everything that happened with Brett Kavanaugh, you can point to a bunch of different stories that, that take off. A lot of the race hoaxes, most of them are fake, you know, Bubba Wallace on down. But again, the narrative gets out there. That's one of the things I don't like about Twitter because, you know, I think people, they, they go to sleep thinking that things happen when they really didn't. And that happens probably on both sides, but things get so out of control quickly with the narrative and then it never gets reeled back in. Yeah, well, it does happen on both sides. The difference is, is that we don't own the culture. <laughs> That's true. They do. Uh, and so whenever I hear, well, Fox News, blah, 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 it's like, yeah, three million people watch Fox News. All right. That's less than one percent of the country. And you own ABC, CBS, NBC, MSNBC, CNN, Rolling Stone, Vogue, Vanity Fair, yeah. The Atlantic. I mean, we can keep the St. Louis Post-Dispatch. The list goes on and on. Right. Yeah. And so it's like, well, all right, we got one percent. <laughs> And we're the aggressors. Come on. Yeah, it's ridiculous. All right, Dave Strong, before I let you go, and I do have to let you go in a couple of minutes, but you guys post so much good stuff at Hot Air, and they just blasted out another piece by you on Disney being woke again. Can you give me a brief synopsis of this? Well, uh, Disney, of course, is, uh, you know, they've been backpedaling like mad about whether they're woke or not. But actually they put out, they have a whole series, which is basically instructing six, seven, eight, nine-year-olds on critical race theory. Uh, And that is, and they are pushing this like mad. Uh, And so if you look, it's all about reparations, how evil white people are. And, uh, you know, they have not backed off a bit except in terms of their PR to conservatives. It's really appalling. They're trying to indoctrinate our kids. 
I'm, I have got to, in the link on the story, Dave, as you know, there's some audio and there's some video, and I'm going to pull that yep. for tomorrow because that looks very interesting. Look, it's always great to have you on the show. I really appreciate it. You have a great week, Dave Strom. Yes, thanks a lot. All right, take Bye-bye. care. We'll see you. Audio cut of the day coming up. Celebrate and save at Ashley's Anniversary Sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep Mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. Nerds. Today's episode is sponsored by NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Sometimes you need a change of pace. That includes your finances. Get smart with your budgeting with financial tips straight from the nerds. NerdWallet's trusted experts will set future you up for success by untangling today's web of financial misinformation. Learn about smart investing strategies, tax planning pointers, and travel tips to save on a fun family getaway. Maybe somewhere tropical? Spring ahead for smarter decisions in 2024. Follow NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app. Old Man Winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. <laughs> Heaven! Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, Old Man Winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. You know, there, there's a part of me that really did enjoy watching the Super Bowl back in the day and then seeing the ads before you saw them five times before the game. But at this point, I guess that's a moot point because they yeah. all get released. And there's one that just caught my attention. for It's actually directed by the brilliant Vince Gilligan from Breaking Bad and Ooh. Better Call Saul fame. It is a um, commercial for Popcorners. And it features Aaron Paul and Brian Cranston and Raymond Cruz. And if you know the series, Raymond Cruz is a character um, named Tuco, and it's a pretty it's a pretty good commercial. I'm I'm not maybe I'm not quite prepared to say best of the weekend because you do get some creativity, but this one's pretty good, so you can watch for that. It's out there online right now. I mean, I also get why they do this from the standpoint that you get a lot more bang for your buck. Exactly. Right. I mean, they're putting so, a ton of money into that. Uh, let's do this here because it might take a little time. Now, the audio cut of the day. (laughs) All right. Well, technically, I have two, right? But let let me do the first one here just because it's very, very short, and I think people understand uh, where we're going here. Here's our first audio cut of the day. This is uh, Mayor Pete. Uh, I will say that there have been so many accomplishments under this administration. It can be difficult to list them in a distilled way. (laughs) (laughs) Isn't that great? Yeah, I'm sorry. I can't even. Really? He said that? I I guess he did. Uh, But this is one that I really did want to highlight in uh, all seriousness, and I think it's amazing. I really do, and it's very courageous, and more women need to do this for the sake of 
girls yes. like my daughter, who's about to turn eight, who plays tennis and she swims and she plays field hockey and is athletic. Surfing champion Bethany Hamilton. Bethany Hamilton is very well known. She's an amazing athlete, but she also became very well known because she lost her arm shark. in a shark attack, yes. right? Um, my my friend Grant Corgan, who's an amazing story in and of himself, and you you'll meet him sometime when he comes back into Great. town. Uh, Grant has no ability to use his legs because of an accident that he had. He knows Bethany very well, and she came out and and said this today. Well, I guess it was yesterday, and good for her because she's pulling out of what they're doing in the competition with the World Surf League. Today, I want to address the news that the World Surf League has officially made the rule that male-bodied individuals known as transgender athletes can officially compete in the women's division. The World Surf League says they are following the Olympic guidelines. While I address this issue, I want to be clear that I strive to have love for all of mankind, regardless of any differences. But this concerns me as a professional athlete that has been competing in the World Surf League events for the past 15 plus years. And I feel that I must speak up and stand up for those in position that may feel that they cannot say something about this. I think many of the girls currently on tour are not in support with this new rule and they fear being ostracized if they speak up. Of course. Of course, they're because they know they're going to get canceled by yes. the crazy people out there. So Bethany Hamilton comes forward, and she does the right thing. How is this rule playing out in other sports, like swimming, running, MMA? Have any of the current surfers in the World Surf League been asked what their thoughts opinion, and opinions are on this new rule before it was passed or announced? Should there be a conversation with the 17 women and all of the men on tour prior to a rule change such as this? So that in and of yes. itself is a very good point, right? They just, and I, I will say this because I'm somewhat envious and jealous of the trans rights PR folks because they seem to get everything they want, right? I mean, if I'm running a presidential campaign or if I'm trying to market a product, I hire that group because Everybody bends over and gives them exactly yep. what they want. I don't get it. Is a hormone level an honest and accurate depiction that someone indeed is a male or female? Is it as simple as this? Who is pushing for this huge change? Does this better the sport of surfing? No. Is nope. this better for the women in no. surfing? Definitely. If so, how? No, it's not. She's asking all the right questions. We know that it's not. And now she does come up with a solution here. See what you think about this. Oh. I personally think that the best solution would be to create a different division so that all can have a fair opportunity to showcase showcase their passion and talent. And I think it's really hard to imagine the future of women's what the future of women's surfing will be like in 15 to 20 years down the road if we move forward um, allowing this major change. But we are seeing glimpses of male-bodied dominance in women's sports like running, swimming, and others. My hope is that if I ever have a daughter who is competing in surfing or any sport, and also for all the aspiring young generation of women, to have a bright and promising opportunity in her ambition to be the best of the best women in her sport. 
I personally won't be competing in or supporting the World Surf League if this rule remains. Good. Thanks. Yep. Thank you, Bethany Good for Hamilton. Her. Boy, that for, took some guts. It, it did. And you have, fortunately, you have people out there like Julia Mancuso, skier, who tweeted out, I support you, Bethany. Thanks for speaking up for all women and girls out there. Those are all interesting questions to navigate this difficult topic. Let's hope we can get fighting for the future of women's sports. Why, you know, and, and I think people, we're at the point in this country where female athletes, that are at a certain level in their sport need to start speaking up. Yes. They need to start saying, or their sports, their sports are going to be destroyed. There will not be opportunities. And why, and let's face it, we just got to be honest about some of this stuff. You know, you get the same complaints, trans women are women. Trans women are, are women with penises, okay? So there's a difference, and they have male infrastructure beyond yes. those penises. So I understand that there's rare forms of gender dysphoria, but we also have probably an agreement that most of this stuff is nonsense and people are going through, you know, different times and maybe they're gay and they figured out we're finding that more and more. We're seeing pushback from some people out there who have performed these surgeries that have even said, look, we got to dial this stuff back down. But when it comes to female sports in particular, and people have asked me why I care, I care because they've asked me this online because my daughter is an athlete and she does not have a penis. So that's why I care. So I, I see encouraging things here that are happening on the part of uh, female athletes because of Bethany Hamilton and, and maybe some others out there. So that's really good. Riley Gaines, we had the bite last week where, you know, she spoke up about Leah Thomas in particular. So there you go, Sue. That's our audio cut of the day, although I can't really get away from this. Uh, one. I will say that there have been so many accomplishments under this administration. It can be difficult to list them in a distilled way. Very, very, yeah, very difficult. I just can't do it right now. We'll find out, though, during the State of the Union. Have a great Monday evening. Get more at 971talk.com. His karate lessons might not turn him into a black belt. Hi-ya! And even after band camp, he might not be the greatest musician. But with the 3% annual percentage yield you can earn on a PenFed premium online savings account, your goal of supporting his dreams... Thanks for everything, Mom and Dad. ...will always be worth it. Apply today at penfed.org slash savings. Federally insured by NCUA. $5 minimum to open account. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed. PenFed's got great rates for everyone. Why? Why? If you have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details.